Good morning. ¿Cuántos hablan español acá adentro? So, but they tell me I got to speak English. I preach in English. I'm just messing with you. I, I know how to talk English. But I know there's a lot of Hispanics around here, and it's great to be. Con mi gente. Sit down. Sit down. So I know you, you're looking at me. I look like a gringo. Well, what happened was my mom and dad, they got married, and they took me to Mexico when I was one month old to a city called Durango, north part of Mexico. And they were missionaries there. And my dad was killed for the cause of Christ when I was two years old. I have the privilege of having a martyr as a father in my legacy. Isn't that awesome? And so then my mother stayed as a missionary and kept going on as a widow with three small children. My older brother was four, I was two, and my youngest brother was seven months old when my mother became a widow for the first time. She remarried when I was five. I got to do what a lot of you guys, a lot of you guys didn't get to do. I got to go to my mother's wedding. <laughs> and that man became my dad for 39 years. He's a great man of God. And then he went on to be with Jesus. Yeah. Thank you. He went on to be with Jesus about 12 years ago. And, and uh, one of the things that my mom and dad taught me early on is to worship God. Now, at my house, if you wanted to eat, you had to learn how to play the piano. My mom was so strict about this. My two brothers and my sisters, they all, we all had to learn how to play. We lived under the law and not grace when it came to the piano, right? So if you wanted to, if you wanted to eat, you had to learn how to play. And as you can tell, I learned how to play the piano really good. <laughs> Real early in my life, I read the scripture in John 4 that says that the Father is seeking those who would worship him. The, and, I, and I thought, that's a pretty sad scripture that the Father would have to seek worshipers, that he'd have to look for worshipers. And so my whole life, I've been dedicated to going around helping people understand why we worship. And I'm going to help you today understand why should I be a worshiper? Why do we worship? We just got through spending a great time here with this amazing worship team. Guys, let me tell you, I travel all over the place. I get to hear a lot of worship teams. This is one of the best. You guys are really blessed here. Come on, give them a better clap than that. So, do we worship because it's part of our Christian tradition? No. Do we worship because we have to fill up a program? No. Do we worship to wait for all those people who always come late. <laughs> you know who you are. Don't look to your left or your right. <laughs> Keep looking up here. 
No, no, no. The reason we were, there's so many reasons. Did you know that the Bible talks more about worship than most any other subject that we preach about? The Bible talks more about worship than almost every other subject except one, which is justice. That's the number one subject the Bible talks about, righteousness. And worship is the number two most talked about subject in the Bible. And the Father is seeking worshipers today. He's looking for worshipers over here in this section. I wonder if he'd find a few over here. I wonder if you find a few worshipers over here in this. Did y'all hear that? Now, you guys, you better come through for me here in this middle. I wonder if you'd find any worshipers here in this section. (laughs) Wow. All right. We need to give these guys a chance to redeem themselves, right? I wonder if he'd find some worshipers over in here. (laughs) I knew you guys would come through. So today I'm only going to talk to you about three. How many? Only. You're going to want to write these down because tomorrow you're going to, what was it Pastor Marcos was saying? And you'll have them. Three reasons only why we should worship. Reason number one, worship makes me remember to be thankful, keeps me in a thankful attitude. Now, why is it important to stay in a thankful attitude? That's a great question. Psalms chapter 100 says, enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving is the entryway to God's presence. How many of you want to go into God's presence? I do. You can't get in without coming through the entry of thankfulness. People who spend time in God's presence are thankful people. People who speak the language of thanksgiving are speaking the language of heaven. You know, in the United States, we speak English. In Mexico, we speak Spanish. In some parts of the United States, we speak what's called Spanglish. Where the two kind of come together, you know? You want to learn a good Spanglish word? Wheelchair. Wheelchair. Ready? There's only one enchilada left, but that's okay. Wheelchair. (laughs) You want to hear another one? Right, you, you know, write, write this down, bro. <laughs> July. July. Mijo, you told me you were going to the store. You didn't go. July to me. <laughs> July. All right, that's enough. Let's get back into the word. The language that is spoken in heaven is the language of thanksgiving. There's no griping and complaining in heaven. Can you imagine gripers and complaining in heaven? Eh, these streets of gold, they're all full of dust. They never sweep the streets, say. No, there's only thankful people in heaven. 
who realized that if it weren't for the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ and salvation, we never would make it to heaven. Do you remember where you came from? Do you remember the time that you didn't have quite enough money to even buy the baby's milk and somehow, some way, God made a way and he provided? Somebody, can you remember that? Can you remember the time you were sick and Jesus came and healed you? There are thankful people in the room tonight. There are thankful people in the room today. Thankful people come into the presence of God. No murmuring and complaining in heaven. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Their tamales already finished. They they ate all the tamales. No, there's only thankful people. Worship helps me stay in a thankful attitude. When I remember how good God's been to me, you know, my mom and dad, they were missionaries. They didn't have a lot of, you know, resources. And so when my mom would buy a pair of blue jeans, it was for the three boys, my older brother, I was the second one. And then my younger brother. So when she'd buy a pair of blue jeans, it went to the older boy first. When he wore them out, they would come to me. And then when I would, you know, throw out of them, it would go to my youngest brother. One day, something really sad happened to me. My younger brother got taller than me, which meant that I got the blue jean third generation now. Now, I'm talking to you about the mid-70s, right around in there. Back then, moms would put patches on the blue jeans to cover the holes, okay? Patches that you would iron on. My mom would buy them at Sears, and she'd iron these babies on. Now, these weren't little, small, discreet patches. No, sir. They were big, brown leather patches. What color are blue jeans? Blue. And she'd buy brown ones on, and they'd start right about here. They'd go all the way down to here. I had one on this knee, another one on this knee, one on this side, and another one... There was no way you could hide these patches. People would make fun of my patched up blue jeans. But man, look at me today. Do I look like I'm starving to you? Do I look like I got it bad? I'm looking around here. I see blessed people. I see healthy people. I see happy people. God's been good to us. He's been good to us. So my mom went to be with Jesus about four months ago. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? She's in a whole lot better place. She's walking around. She's happy. And then I got to thinking, you know, my my biological dad died when I was two. And then my other dad died 12 years ago. And the day after my mother's memorial service, I thought, oh, no, my mom's in heaven with both of her husbands. (laughs) How does that work out? I'm sure Jesus got that all figured out. But so I've been thinking a lot about my mom. This is one of her favorite songs. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks. Because he's given Jesus Christ 
his son. Do you know this song? And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say just take a minute and say thank you Jesus for your blessings thank you Jesus for your goodness thank you Jesus for being my savior thank you for your blood thank you for forgiveness thank you for your blessings for your provision in Jesus name now say a big amen so reason number one thankfulness here goes reason number two ready Hurry up. I got to hurry up. There's another service about to happen in here. Number two, perspective. Worship keeps me with a proper perspective. You see, every one of us in this room today have one thing in common. We're all dealing with some kind of a challenge. Every one of us. Some people are dealing with physical challenges. Some people might be dealing with financial challenges. Some people might be dealing with suegra challenges. (laughs) Suegra is the original Greek word for (laughs) mother-in-law. The original Greek. Dijo que el original Greek es... So I don't know what kind of challenge you have this morning, but what I do know is that every one of us have challenges. One of the questions people ask me frequently is, Pastor, do you have challenges? Well, of course I do. I don't know who told some people that just because we preach and teach the word that we never have problems. The only authority we have to teach you is that we're going through the same stuff you're going through. It's human nature to focus in on our problems. How am I going to fix this? Who can I call? What do I need to do? We focus in sometimes on our problems so much that they become larger than they really are. Worship helps me keep that in perspective because God is bigger than any problem that you can have. Let me illustrate. I have a little, a little bottle top here. It's a little cap from a plastic bottle, right? So this represents a problem. And, so, and in human nature is very, our tendency is to look at a problem so much that we bring it in really, really close. And the closer you bring it, the, the, the more your perspective is blurred. Watch this. You bring it up so close to your eye that the only thing you can see now is this problem. And it starts blurring your perspective. You start making bad decisions because you're looking at the problem. Now, problems are just like relatives. They come in pairs. (laughs) And and if you're Hispano, they come in suburban loadfuls. (laughs) 
So now you've got this one problem. Here comes the other problem. You start focusing it on it. Look what happens. All of a sudden now you can't see anything. Because your problems are out of perspective. It's in this stage of life that people say crazy things like this. Where's God? I don't see him. I don't think there's a God that exists. Well, of course you can't see him because you're only looking at your problems. It's in this stage of life. Mm -hmm. It's in this stage of life that people do crazy things. They'll, They'll fall off the edge of the platform. They'll run into a wall, you see. But when we worship God, how great is our God? Watch this. Whoop. Sing with me how great is our God. Whoop. All of a sudden, when you put it into perspective and you remind yourself that he is greater than your problems, your problems become smaller. He becomes greater. That's why we worship That's why we worship. You see, now, do you think, do you think we have to tell God he's great because he's forgotten he's great? Can can you imagine this? He's seated on the throne and, oh, wait, wait, wait. I hear some people singing, how great? And he looks down and says, oh, that's Tampa City Life. So what are are they saying? They're saying, how great? Oh, oh, that's right. I am great. I almost forgot. No. We don't tell God he's great because he's forgotten. We tell God he's great because we many times forget how big he is. You got to remind yourself. You see, it comes out of your mouth, goes into your ears, and back into your spirit. You know, right about in here is where we have our spirit. That's why some of us are more spiritual than others of us. It goes out of your mouth, back into your ears, into your spirit, and you remind yourself, God is greater than any problem I might have. He is bigger than any sickness. So lift a hand to this kind. You say, how great is our God? Sing with me. What key are we in here? D? Is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Now sing name above all names. Listen to yourself say it. You're worthy. You're worthy of our praise. My heart will sing how great is our God. Bigger than any sickness. 
bigger than any need, bigger than any problem. You see, when we remind ourselves how big God is, all of a sudden the burden becomes lighter. And that brings me to my number three point. What's the first one? Thankfulness. Number two, perspective. Number three, when we worship, God fights for his people. It mobilizes God's army in your favor. You see, some of you can't even see it, but right now in heaven, while you're in here worshiping and saying, how great is our God, God is sending out armies to fight on your behalf. Now, the Bible says, the Bible says that he's the Lord of hosts. In other words, not one army. He has lots of armies. He has an army to fight for you. He has an army to fight for your children. He has an army to fight for your work. He has an army to fight for your health. He has armies to fight for your pastors. He has armies to fight for your church. He has armies to fight for your city. Somebody's going to get excited in here today. He has armies ready at your disposal. Just waiting for you to activate your faith so he can make those armies go to war for you. Look what happens. When you worship God, you see, it says, let God arise. And when he arises, his enemies scatter from before him. See, because when God stands up, something's about to happen. God doesn't just stand up because he wants to stretch his legs. When he arises, his enemies remember that he defeated them at Calvary over 2,000 years ago. And they're still defeated to this. Somebody shout in this place today. Let God arise. Let God arise. And his enemies will scatter. Now, you say, Pastor Marcos, how does this work? Well, I'm glad you asked. You see, when you worship God in spite of your circumstances, that's something called faith. How many of you know that faith moves the hand of him who rules the universe? When you release your faith, you see, you're sitting back there going through your swagada issue. And you're back there and you don't understand how it's going to happen. But you're going to engage and say, God, I don't, I don't know how this problem is going to work out, but I know you're bigger than my problem, so I'm just going to turn it over to you. And when that faith arises before him, it gets God's attention. And it moves God's heart. And then, come with me for a minute to the throne room. God's seated on his throne. Gabriel, the archangel, the messenger archangel at his right. And Michael, the warring archangel at his left. Or the other way around. I don't know. Some theologian will help straighten me out where they stand around the throne. But there they are close by. And God looks down here at City Life back there and he sees Lupita. (laughs) And he knows what Lupita's going through. Hmm? He knows last night what time her boy came home. Drunk and high and beat up and she doesn't know what she's going to do. She's back there and God, I don't know what to do about Pepe. And she's singing. Then sings, my soul, my savior God. And Jesus hears that song. He 
turns to Gabriel and says, Gabe, can you hear Maria? Gabriel says, yes, sir. Do you remember what happened to her last night? Yes, sir. Gabe, I want you to send her a message. You go tell Maria, everything's going to be just fine. Now, many of you, you've had this happen, but you've never understood why it happens. But you've been in worship when all of a sudden down here in your spirit, you felt it. You said, I'm going to be okay. To some of you, it happened this very morning. That's God's messenger angel telling you, God's about to fight for you. God's about to turn your situation around. God's about to heal you. God's about to provide for you. God's about to change the tide of the battle in your favor. Can I hear somebody here this morning? Now, Maria, she doesn't know what happened. You can stand, you can stay standing. She doesn't know what happened, but she knows she's going to be fine. Now watch the second part of this. God turns to Michael, the warring angel. And he says, Mikey, grab yourself a few armies and go fight for Maria. Without Maria even knowing it, she's just saying, how great thou art, how great. See, while you're in here saying that and declaring that, you don't even know it, but he's out there fighting for you right now. Then shakes my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. You are great, you are great, you are great. How great. Now do me a favor. Take the person's hand next to you and just raise that hand. You never know if that Maria isn't standing right next to you right now. But I want you to pray for your brother, your sister that's to your right, to your left. Father, fight their battles. Go to war for them. In Jesus' name, we declare that the battle has turned in your favor. God has turned the tide of the battle into your favor. Lord, we declare your goodness, your blessing to take over each and every one of these situations in Jesus' name.